Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. And by Hyundai. Experience the 2011 Hyundai Sonata today at HyundaiSonata.com. God, this works really well. There's a tingling sensation all over my skin. It's, it's like someone put itching powder over my skin. Ha ha ha! It is I, Jim Hall, testing out the latest in Svartian cloaking technology. Worked pretty well, but you couldn't even tell it was me. Anyway, uh, well, well, that's right. It's Wednesday, January 19th, 2011, and it's time for AutoLine Daily. As I just said, I'm Jim Hall from 2953 Analytics, bringing you the latest and the greatest news from the global automotive industry. Let's get started, shall we? Chrysler is taking a mulligan when it comes to hybrids. After the electrified versions of the Durango and Aspen SUVs were dropped in 2008, it hasn't really been active in this part of the green segment, but that's going to change soon. The Detroit News reports that the company is going to offer two hybrid models in the near future, plus it'll introduce other fuel-saving technologies. They plan to sell an electrified version of the 300 due out next year and a hybridized minivan in 2013. CEO Sergio Marchioni said that the technology was developed in-house, but didn't go into any details about it. A nine-speed, that's right, nine-speed automatic transmission is also expected to debut in 2013 on the replacement for the Dodge Caliber. Chrysler's getting back on its feet after years of mismanagement, uh, courtesy of two really incompetent owners. Let's hope fuel prices don't spike too soon before they can get this stuff on the market. Now this is a shocker. You guys, if you're standing up, everybody should sit down, because according to the Detroit News, drivers of vehicles that perform well in side impact crash tests are less likely to die in accidents. Did that just blow your mind? Apparently, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety studied crash data for vehicles equipped with side airbags. Taking into account driver age and gender, as well as vehicle type and weight, they found that drivers in cars that rated good for side impact were 70% less likely to die than those rated poor. Come on. 78% of today's vehicles tested by the IIHS have good side impact ratings, which is up from just 17% in 2003. So we're going to be flooded with people that live now in car crashes, which is a good thing. But is this really news, Craig? I don't know something about this. Mazda will show a compact crossover concept called the Minagi at this year's Geneva Motor Show in March. It features Mazda's SkyActiv technologies and the new design language they call as Kodo, which means soul of motion. The SkyActiv technologies include efficient gas and diesel engines, automatic and manual transmissions, and lightweight body structure, all with the goal of improving fuel economy and, for Europe, producing CO2. The features on the Minagi concept highlight how Mazda plans to evolve its products in the future. Auto supplier Dana will pay Toyota $25 million for Tacoma frames it supplied to the company that rusted out. According to Reuters, in 2008, Toyota had to extend the warranty on Tacomas built between 1995 and 2000 in the United States. Then in 2009, Toyota was forced to recall 100,000 Tacomas in cold weather states because road salt used to melt the snow could corrode parts of the frame. Earlier this month, Consumer Reports ripped Ford's MyTouch infotainment system interface for saying it's too complicated. Perhaps in response to that review, the Detroit Free Press reports that Ford dealers plan to give lessons on how to use the system to customers who buy vehicles equipped with MyTouch. Some dealers are hiring dedicated specialists to answer questions about the system and other Ford technologies. The company says it plans to offer MyTouch in 80% of its vehicles by 2015. Now for some under-the-hood news. You can take this with a grain of salt, though. Autocar reports that Porsche has confirmed it's working on a new four-cylinder gasoline engine. The alleged Boxer power plant will probably be used in the company's new sub-2.5 
Boxster, Roadster, and the Cayman. It might even find its way into the 911. But the big question is, will it be a VW Group inline engine or a Porsche-produced flat floor? Dun dun dun! We all know what it should be. They really need this thing to be a Boxster if it's a Porsche. Coming up after the break, we'll look at some of my favorite reveals from last week's Detroit Auto Show. Back right after this. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. After spending five days straight at the North American International Auto Show last week, which is chock-a-block full of neat stuff, I realized that I had six favorites that are new or at least relatively new to the U.S. market. And I'm going to go through them in alphabetical order as to not show any favoritism at all. Sorry, Zastava. First of all, the Audi A7. It's basically a large sedan that has sort of swoop du jour styling that's going to wear better than its main four-door coupe competitor, the Mercedes CLS. The car's a weird mix of A6 and A8 components, which makes sense because it's the A7, which is sort of in between. The supercharged 300 horsepower V6 is going to be the base engine for the United States, and it looks like for a while it'll be the only engine. It's mated to an 8-speed automatic transmission, and the wrapper on the outside is spectacular. The interior is really striking, too, because it's an Audi. That said, I, I really want an S7, which would be the same car with probably 330 horsepower instead of 300 horsepower. Now, I want an RS7 if they make it, because that's going to be a V8, and that's the kind of thing I would like to really tear up the road with. Speaking of tearing up the road, though, second car that I really thought had some merit was the BMW 1 Series M. Now, they couldn't call this the M1 because they did an M1. It was the first M car, and it was a big, fabulous mid-engine sports car for the time. Instead, what they've taken is a 1 Series, and it has a 335-horsepower version of the turbocharged 3-liter engine. It has cool bodywork with the fenders extended about 2.5 inches total width. Uh, it's got a lot more form to it. There's a kind of a fiddly detail on the front fender, which is what looks to be a vent, but it's not even a vent. The bodywork is cool. Uh, inside, Alcantara is king. They use it to trim the dash. They've got it on side trim. Uh, it's a really spectacularly nice car. It also features all aluminum suspension components that have been poached from today's M3. So what we're talking about is a car that in a lot of ways is the spiritual successor to the original M3 and a great M car for somebody who prefers sixes to eights. It's going to be more affordable than an M3 too. Next car on my list is the Chrysler 300. And a lot of people say, ah, it's too conservative. And I say, fa. It looks like a new 300. It really looks like a 300, but it's a lot more substantial and looks a lot more upscale. The interior is also very, very good, but truth be known, they still need some work there, and I think Chrysler's aware of this. Powertrains look pretty good, too. It's going to have a base 292 horsepower V6 that is one of the nicest V6 around. It's the Trenton engine uh, that has a lot of merit and some potential for more performance. But that said, I think I'd really want it with the Hemi V8, which is going to be good for about 370 horsepower or thereabouts. Truth be known, it's a car that has as much presence as a CTS, and it's going to be more affordable. It looks spectacular. Ford's highlight was not the Focus. It's a neat car. The Focus ST is sort of my kind of Focus, but I really have got to say the Boss 302 Laguna Seca is a great automobile. It's also a fabulous example of more and less for more because it's going to be more expensive than a Boss 302, which is going to be more expensive than a Mustang GT. You get more power. It's up 27 horsepower to 440 horsepower. Not bad for a normally aspirated 5 liter with emissions controls and still gets decent mileage. 
It has more gauges. There's some stuff on the top of the dash, uh, some of it important, some of it probably stuff. And there's some aerodynamic thingy bobs, uh, a little splitter on the front, front that, you know, depending upon who's driving the car, it could be gone in minutes, depending upon how you park. It also has less seats. They pull the rear seat out of the Laguna Seca and replace it with a really snazzy painted X-brace, uh, exposed metal. But the truth is, it should be available in aluminum. A nice casting or forging would look really great back there. Also, it's available in any color you want, as long as you want to drive a circus wagon. I'm sorry, corally orange and white, or corally orange and black. I don't know, it doesn't work. The roof is a different color, there's parts of the grill that are a different color. And the one that's really weird is the black with bright red. I don't know, just give me mine in solid white, I'd be happy, no decals. Hyundai Velocitor, it's sort of a weird and wonderful multifunction sports coupe. Does anybody use the term sports coupe anymore? I'm probably the only person on the planet. And it has three real doors with a conventional door in the rear on the passenger side. This is an interesting thing because three-door coupes have been done before. Remember the uh, Saturn that had the quarter door and quarter doors are actually appearing on a few cars every now and again. The uh, Mini Clubman uses it over on the right-hand side. But here it's a conventional door. It's a weird sort of humpback hatchback, but it looks sporty and it's gonna cut a swath when it goes down the street. Two six-speed transmissions, one with a single clutch and a pedal that you have to push and you have to shift that one yourself. The other one has two clutches with no pedal and it can shift faster than you can. The product is uh, going to be very affordable because we're talking about a small displacement uh, engine, about 138 horsepower. And the question is, is this really the successor to the Scion TC for a younger generation? I suspect it's going to have some traction with young buyers. Final car on the list is the Land Rover Evoque. The Evoque was originally shown as a concept and then they had shown it as uh, the production car as a three-door. But the truth is, three-door SUVs, or the two-door SUVs on the side, don't cut it in this market or many others. So they've shown it as a four-door and it becomes a real product now. It's got a 240 horsepower, two liter turbocharged inline four that should probably work for something about the size of the vehicle and the potential weight, because it is not gonna be light. It looks cooler than any other premium sort of SUV crossover that's smaller in the segment. And that's really because it's not a crossover at all. What they have is a low roof four-door hatch that's pretty neat. There you go, now you know. And I should mention that none of these cars are really my favorite pick that I would most want to own from the Detroit Auto Show. I'm not going to mention any names, but when I think about it, a 551 horsepower station wagon is exactly what I need. No, it's what I want. That's a wrap for today's show. As usual, I'm Jim Hall, Managing Director of 2953 Analytics, your one-stop shop for all, well, all the analysis you could ever want. Before I say farewell, I need to remind you to tune in to AutoLine After Hours tomorrow night. We'll be broadcasting live from the Chrysler Design Dome in Auburn Hills, Michigan. John and Peter D. will be joined by Joe Veltri, the company's head of product development. You can watch it in real time on our website, AutolineDetroit.tv, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, if you can't make it for the live broadcast, you can always download the pod show as a podcast. Just subscribe to AutoLine After Hours on iTunes, or if you're one of the dozens of people, people on the earth that has a Zune, the Zune Marketplace. Anyway, thanks to all of you out there for watching and listening. John will be here tomorrow, and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.